0: He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ today. We are glad that you have chosen to join us for this week's sermon of the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene. God's Word is full of timeless truths that are relevant to our lives today. Here's this week's message. Uh, I want to share with you today uh, from Matthew chapter 5, uh, 17 to 26, Uh, before I do, um, Sometimes, before a, a pastor gets started, they will warn you about what they're about to say. They'll say, okay, well, I'm about, let me just kind of set the scene a little bit. Or let me just kind of tell you that you know I'm still okay. I, I still believe in Jesus, or, or I still believe you know I'm still a Christian, but... And they'll, they'll say, so have you ever heard someone kind of preface something in that way? Uh, let me just kind of lay out for you, uh, I haven't lost my mind, I'm still okay, but I want to tell you today... Uh, you know, those kind of conversational prefaces are, are in order for us to realize, okay, they're not crazy, but they're about to say something a little nuts. <laughs> and it's, it's our way of just kind of, okay, it just kind of like gets us ready for what is to come. Uh, in a book, a preface it kind of lays out for you, hey, this is what is getting ready to come. And if you want to uh, uh, read that first before you read their argument and just go on their journey with them, you can do that. So if they say anything a little off often, like, but I know where they're going. I feel like this passage I'm about to read for you is for Jesus a a kind of preface for his audience. At the beginning of his sermon, he addressed the congregation, he or he addressed the crowd, the people who had gathered around. He said, "Okay, I want first to pronounce God's blessings upon you. God sees you where you're at. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're struggling with, and I want to pronounce God's blessing today." And he looks at them and he says, "You're the salt." You are the light of the world. Even though you might be poor in spirit, even though you might be mourning, even though you might be hungry, and thirsting for justice, he says, "You are the salt of the earth." And so he the first so after addressing them then, he's getting ready to get into his sermon. He says, "But let me tell you this. <laughs> let me preface. Here we are, verse 17. Do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come not to abolish, but to fulfill." Enter the kingdom of heaven. And I'll read some more for you in a little bit. I want to pause there though. Uh, Jesus is about to quote various scriptures, various laws for which they have, and he cares about them. And he wants them to know that, hey, I'm going to share with you another way of looking at this. And he doesn't and I and I think Jesus wants them to realize that he's not just like brushing them aside or sweeping them under the rug. He, uh, he, he's about to interpret them in ways no one has anticipated. Oftentimes, in the next couple sections, we're going to see the words, you've heard that it's said, or you've seen that it's written, you've heard this, and he's going to quote a law, and then he's going to interpret it for them. But before he can begin talking about it, he wants them to know, I I still care about this. This is still important. I'm not getting rid of it. I'm not brushing it aside. I'm not abolishing it at all. So he begins with this kind of qualification. The law is important. I'm not abolishing it. I'm not changing it. And I can't help but just read this as a qualification. He's saying nothing changes, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, not one little uh, uh, little design on it. Everything about it stays the same. Uh, it is unique. And I think that uh, the, the very people he critiques in here, the scribes and the Pharisees, by hearing him say this, I think that they would be surprised to hear Jesus say this. Because Jesus is going to be one through his ministry is going to do things that seem to them to be against some of the letters of the law. It's true. Jesus is going to see some people who are sick and he's going to heal them. And he's not going to have any attention at all to what day of the week it is. And some people are going to get on his case because he's healing on the Sabbath. People are going to get on his case because his disciples who are following him and are modeling their life after him. They're not going to obey all the cleanliness rituals before they eat. And so Jesus is going to end up saying that famous line. "It's not what goes into a person that makes them clean or unclean. It's what comes out. And so they, they're, they're recognized, wait a minute, we have some restrictions here. We have some laws here that it seems like you're not 100% in accordance with. And so I think that they would be surprised. The Pharisees would be surprised to hear Jesus say something like, not one letter is going to pass from the law until, it, until it's accomplished. I think that they would be surprised to hear him say, uh, whoever breaks one of the least of these is going to be called least, because they're going to say, wait a minute, Jesus, but I think there's some laws we might be able to look at here. But the letter doesn't pass away because it is recording the heart of the law. There, there's a law in the Old Testament that says something like... Um, Every person must have a gate, a fence, around the roof of their house. It's one of those laws in Leviticus. You can find all kinds of fun laws in the book of Leviticus. It's one of those fun laws. Now, I have lived in, uh, in this area, in Maine, for seven years. I've driven all over Portland, South Portland, and um, Saco, and Biddeford, and Scarborough, and Westbrook. I've driven all around. And I don't see any homes with, like, gates around them. And I'm like, huh. These people don't know what the Bible says. Is anyone here believe the Bible? Like no one has these gates around their homes, but I think what we know is that uh, the, that some things have nonetheless changed over time, but the heart of. That law is this that in their society, when they often had flat roofs, and no one here does if they want to uh, uh, survive heavy snowfall. Uh, uh, like didn't Walmart just close a couple weeks ago for a day because there was too much snow on their flat roofs? I was like, they live in Maine, they need to learn better. But anyway, um, but we don't have kids. we're not hanging out on the roofs of our home at night with our friends and our family. But that law was written because, of course, back then they did. And they want to make sure that no one took a tumble. Uh, The only time I've seen proper protections on the roof of a home is when someone's doing repairs, when they've got the harness and they've got the ropes and the cables or they've got the scaffolding. At that point in time, yeah, they're following the heart of the law. Some of you might say, oh, that's just OSHA requirements. But (laughs) nonetheless, they've got the heart of the law, that the safety uh, in moments of danger is important to take care of those under you. So when Jesus says, Nothing changes with the law. He isn't saying we are going to become the best of the scribes and the Pharisees. He says we are going to, und- are going to live out to the very heart of what God cares about. And so when he says you've got to exceed the scribes and the Pharisees in your righteousness, he's not saying you've got to be a better interpreter or you've got to be a better scribe. Those scribes are really great at getting just those letters just right remember one of my children in, in elementary school, I, I was surprised by uh, the way they did their A's. We all know how to do an A. It's a circle with a little line in it, right? We, have, we, we, we know the whole stroke of that pen. Uh, one of my sons uh, did the, uh, the, the kind of curve, I, I'm doing it backwards, the, the kind of curvy uh, A with the big circle. Because uh, in, in, in a site where we're doing a whole lot less handwriting all of their visions of an A was what we saw in print, whether that's on the computer or in a book. And so they were making that like pregnant snake look. And so <laughs> that was their A. And, uh, um, and so I was like, okay, whatever. But they knew every single stroke. The scribes and the Pharisees, they know every single law, every stroke of the pen. And so when Jesus says not one little stroke is going to pass, I found myself thinking, okay, but our righteous has to persevere. Surpass those who know everything about that it 's not him saying okay guys we 're going to become just like them, but even more so he 's saying we 're going to get to the heart of the matter i 've had opportunity before to do uh, membership classes in the Church of the Nazarene to be able to uh, sit with people and say, Hey, this is what we believe, this is who we are, this is what we 're going to do in fact um, If anyone here is interested in that, I've had a conversation with one who is, we are probably going to do a membership class on the 26th after service and just kind of go over what we believe, who we are, and if you want to join the church, feel free to do so. And uh, let me know if that works for you if you want to be a part of that. And uh, it's one of those also for those who have said, I've been a part of the church for a while, but it's been a while since I've kind of got a refresher of who we are. You're welcome to, the more the merrier. But I I, I found often in these classes, what end up inevitably happening is we talk about part of what defines us as a church of the Nazarene. But we also end up, in the course of that conversation, talking about the code of conduct, which is basically how we think Christians should live. Because, and the reason for that is, of course... Like, we want to kind of define how we expect Christian behavior is maybe different than the rest of the world. And so we have all kinds of things. Like, we recognize we're truth-telling people. So we'll say something like, we shouldn't be people who are lying. Or we shouldn't be people who are stealing and cheating one another. Like, like there are practices that we recognize. And, and, and as we go through the list, I and mean, we're not going to gospel, we're not going to do this, we're not going to, and, and we can go through lists. list, I've had usually, by the time we've kind of got through that, I usually have someone who says to me, I'm pastor. (laughs) Um, I'm still struggling with a few of those there. Well, what's going on here? I don't know if I measure up, if I can be someone in the Church of the Nazarene now. And inevitably, I say, don't get caught up by how much you measure up, but get caught up in, I recognize there's a calling in my life that God has that I'm going to seek and I'm going to live towards. And this is just part of a descriptor of what some of that's going to start to look like. Because that is the whole purpose, is to say, when we say we believe in God, we're not just going to pretend like nothing in our life changes. But we're going to start saying, God puts a calling on my life, and that directs and changes how I live. It's not about the letter of the law, but about the heart behind it. And so when he says, your righteousness has to surpass the Pharisees, he's saying, our righteousness is not based on their version of the law, Righteousness is always found in responding to the grace of God. Righteousness is allowing the grace of God to radically change our lives and just be a conduit of grace that then flows into the lives of others. It's not about, did I mess up here? Did I mess up there? It's about, am I now going to step forward in God's grace today? And this is what Jesus is doing. So he prefaces his whole saying, hey, I'm about to talk to you a lot about the law, and you guys are going to think, hey, I'm I'm just throwing it out maybe with the bathwater kind of thing, just getting rid of it, but I'm not. He says, it's still important, but it's going to be an importance that is far greater than anyone else who's ever interpreted the law before. Let me give you an example. <clears throat> Verse 21. You've heard that it was said. There's that line I said he's going to use again and again. To those of ancient times, you shall not murder. Whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. Judgment. But I say to you that if you're angry with a brother or sister, you'll be liable to judgment. If you insult a brother or sister, you'll be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you'll be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister. And then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're on the way to court with him. Or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you'll never get out until you've paid the last penny. Uh, very early on as a, as a child, uh, growing up uh, in the Air Force, we moved around a lot and I learned that my friendships might be short, short term. Uh, When I was in elementary school, when I was Alex's age, I was in North Dakota. It was the fourth state I had lived in. And every month it seemed I had a friend who was moving away, a classmate who was moving away or someone else who was moving in. It just happened. That was military life. So very quickly I learned that the people you're getting to know are people who might not be around forever. That was the kids' way of looking at it. As I've become an adult, and, uh, and I'm in touch with people I've known throughout life, I've learned that truth that it's not always from moving, that people aren't always around forever. Um, when I was in, shortly after college, you know, Facebook came out and we got to connect, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, this is how I get to know all my clients college classmates and everything, and some friends, like a dozen of them I knew, I ate lunch with all the time, great friends, another dozen, I hung out from time to time, sports events, or this event, or that event, okay, that was great, but about like a hundred of them, it was just like, eh, we had a class together, I know who you are, <laughs> and, uh, but one thing's, by having all those connections, I've seen over 20 years, is over those connections, I've seen moments where, uh, who they were at first in college or what I thought of them based off posts and stuff. I've seen different challenges or, 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 or uh, people uh, uh, struggling with different areas of life. and It's changed my thoughts about who they were. And 20 years later, as we've been Facebook friends over 20 years, I've also found that sometimes the way somebody was at first has changed and evolved significantly. And they've grown in character and in person. And uh, in their life, despite mistakes in the past, has, have become pretty good, and they're doing all right for themselves now. And I found that just kind of by evaluating just over life, I found indeed that anyone that I could decide I have a grudge against, or anyone I could decide that, uh, man, we think differently here, and, and that's going to be an issue for us. I, sometimes I remember, but there's plenty of other things that remind me of who you are as a person. Remind me of the joy that we've had before or that God still cares about you. As a pastor, I'm often called to meet people I don't otherwise know very well. Maybe it's, sometimes it's something really great like planning a wedding for someone uh, I don't know. But sometimes it's something different. Planning a funeral for a family member or a friend who's never been into this church or or spending time at the bedside of somebody who, who otherwise I never had the opportunity to know. And some of those meetings are going to be short. They're the kinds of meetings that might last a couple of hours over a few months, but uh, I, I may never see them again. And sometimes I reflect on that, and I find myself saying, you know, I don't know anything about their life other than the brief opportunity I had with them before uh, I helped them with their marriage, or I helped them with the funeral, or I helped them with whatever issue was going on at that, at that point in time. And sometimes I wonder, In uh, in school, would we have gotten along? Today, if we had had to work together, a different kind of job together, would we get along? If we had uh, had more times of interaction, or is that the kind of person I would normally hang out with or not, and that kind of thing? And, and, And oftentimes what it comes down to is this, is even if that is not somebody that I would normally just spend life with on a regular basis, in that moment, in that very important moment that where God has allowed our paths to intersect, nonetheless, their humanity has been on full display. And just, just that God loves and cares for this person and that I have an opportunity to interact with them and show God's love makes all the difference. That it doesn't matter uh, to, to what extent we would have been friends or foes or, or whatnot, but just that... God has brought us together and cares about how we interact right now and to value each other for who we are. In each of those instances, we are tasked with treating one another with humanity as children of God. And when I look at this passage, I think it's very clear to me that when Jesus is addressing his people, that this is not a passage about murder. (laughs) He's not telling them, don't murder people. He's just using that as an illustration to to talk about something else. And and, uh, our editors, who who like to put uh, little section headings before our verses, section headings that weren't there originally, but are just to help us find our spot in Scripture, tells us this is concerning anger. This is about not getting angry. And uh, there could be some value in that as well, but I think this passage is more than about not getting angry. I think this passage is about reconciliation. When he says, if you're going to bring an, a gift to the altar, if you're going to try to make yourself right with God and you realize there's something wrong with somebody else, leave it there. You, you, can, you can complete that offering later. Leave it there and just go get reconciled. Because getting reconciled with one another is going to help you get right with God. Go and take care of that. This is what Jesus is saying is at the very heart of even a law like don't murder, is that people matter. And one of the things I've come to learn is that uh, the importance of being with people changes everything about the kind of person we are as well. Seclusion, if you're not able to spend time with other people, often breeds misunderstanding and judgment and anger. I think the greatest trolls out there, you know, the ones who are either typing something online or writing a dear editor post complaining about something, those are those are the people who are most often, I think, kind of secluded and the only circle they have is their there's their couple of close friends and whatever other media that they ingest to fulfill their their mindset. But time spent with people is different. It brings understanding and forgiveness. When we're spending time together and we're laughing together, we're enjoying life together, or you're just uh, with other people, what happens is you realize very quickly, oh, you know, we might think differently on one thing, but that's okay because I love you for all these other things. (laughs) Or we we might realize that and getting together, oh, man, that's, well, that's a quirk I'm going to have to deal with. But... I love you for all these other things. Like, like that's just a part of spending life and time with people As we start to realize, wait, wait, I can understand a little bit more of where you're coming from. I can offer grace and I can offer forgiveness uh, for for the ways in which we're different because there's so much that's beautiful about who you are anyway, about how God has made you and what he's seen you through. And I've seen who you are and how you shine. And that is awesome. And so Jesus is saying to the people gathered together, that is of primary importance in what God has called us to do. And so this week, I, I suspect I would say, uh, if there is a lesson to be learned from this, it's not for me just to ask you to go and like, stop being angry or something like that. You know, if you've got anger issues, get the help you need to work through that. But I think this is a passage about finding ways in which we can make things right and be reconciled and be one with people around us, despite differences, despite uh, uh, ways in which uh, we might be different, just because this is at the heart of what God wants for his world. And so for us to be able to love people, to hug people, to be with people, to say, you're a port to me, you're a friend to me, you are, uh, I, I, I like what God is doing in your life, is absolutely important. One of the blessings that Jesus pronounced upon the crowd who had come was, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called children of God. And Jesus says to them, gather here, you've heard this, you've heard this law. And it's easy for us to say, well, I don't kill, I haven't killed anyone, or I'm not going to get angry. He's going to say, let's be a reconciling people as a part of our faith, because that's exactly what God would hope and desire out of his children. Nothing a parent wants more than for their children to get along. (laughs) And uh, desires indeed that they would support and be with one another. Let's pray and commit to being that as well. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, today we uh, come before you thankful That Jesus has revealed for us that you are the kind of God whose primary motivation is love and reconciliation. That the laws were never written in a way for us to be judgmental towards one another or or to point at someone else or to say, look at where you've messed up or look where someone else has messed up. But a way for us to get at the heart that you are a God who wants to direct and guide our path and you want us to come alongside as well and help one another. And so, Heavenly Father, today I pray that wherever there is concern or burden for pains not yet resolved, for relationships that still need to be strengthened, that, Heavenly Father, you would assist in that manner. And Lord, I hope also that uh, we would know today that you are the God of grace who invites us into your presence and invites us to live in harmony with one another. Thank you again for your love and your grace today. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. We hope this sermon has encouraged you with the gospel of Jesus. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. May God bless you abundantly as you serve him today.